The first tool I had in my toolbox was about $10,000 that I felt like we could peel off and set fire to and try to do something different with our lives than we were doing in a typical setting. Thankfully for us, we did not set fire to that $10,000. We got a 22X return on it so far. But that first $10,000 check for us was anxiety inducing. I had two kids in preschool. It's hard to allocate your own personal capital differently. I think especially when you're self-made, to take something off and take a risk with it is a very honest conversation that you have to have with yourself to get started. Hello, Money Movers. Welcome to another episode of Her Money Moves. And we are here with a big time money mover, Senefer Mendoza. She is the general partner of Mendoza Ventures, which is the first Latino-led and woman-led venture capital firm on the East Coast, and it's here out of Boston. Mendoza Ventures is raising a $100 million fund, and I am a very proud limited partner in that fund. So I have one of these very cool VC puppies back in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) And we happen to be on the Harvard campus at the world-renowned Harvard Innovation Lab, where they've had thousands of portfolio companies and many unicorns come directly from this center. It's an incubator that is at the forefront of innovation. And it's incredible to record the episode here and with one of our major innovators and money movers in the industry. So welcome, Senefer. Thank you, Stacey. That's quite an intro. (laughs) (laughs) I was not the person that when I was younger wanted to work in finance. I always thought I'd be really bad at finance. I always laugh that like I'm the statistic that got really bad at math in middle school. Like they've come up with all these studies on women in finance and science since I was younger. And I was the one that dropped off in middle school and pursued the arts. So well, a I lot was, of women are intimidated by finance. They always say, I'm not good with numbers. And it's like, how were you able to transfer that and to change that for yourself and become confident? I don't think it's so much that we're intimidated by it. I think it's that we're told it's not for us. Mm. And I just listened too hard. <laughs> I was designing four and five star hotels internationally. So I was actually managing budgets of millions of dollars. I just didn't translate the narrative of that skill to myself. And I worked in enterprise sales, helping international brands essentially activate their budget in a really proactive, lucrative way. So we had a couple startups and I COO'd those two startups to help them grow beyond my living room. And when we exited those startups, I took a step back and looked at the ecosystem and realized that nothing was going to change if women didn't start writing checks. I had to write the check if I wanted to be easier to be a parent that was working, if I wanted my children to be able to raise money someday or really any woman to be able to raise money someday. We had to step into the capital stack in a really proactive way. And so we started doing that. Fast forward, we're on our third fund. It's a $100 million fund that's institutional capital for a round and above anchored by Bank of America with LPs like yourself that are amazing, but also some of the largest financial institutions in the country like Truist and Grasshopper as well. That's amazing. (laughs) I don't mess around. (laughs) Oh, I know. We've We've been able to work rooms together. Tell us about how you got started. Go from $10,000 to $100 million. (laughs) I think that this is the part that a lot of people shy away from. 
I wrote the check. I started by writing a check. And I think if you have one takeaway from this, it's just to do what you can with what you have in front of you. I have very different tools in my toolbox today than I did in 2016 when we started. The first tool I had in my toolbox was about $10,000 that I felt like we could peel off and set fire to and try to do something different with our lives than we were doing in a typical setting. Thankfully for us, we did not set fire to that $10,000. We got a 22X return on it so far. Wow. <laughs> um, but that first $10,000 check for us was anxiety inducing. I had two kids in preschool. It's hard to allocate your own personal capital differently. I think especially when you're self-made, to take something off and take a risk with it is a very honest conversation that you have to have with yourself to get started. Oh yeah, trust me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know that very I know. well. <laughs> I think I actually, held your hand. <laughs> that was the beginning. We knew that we wanted to do something different. My husband came home and said, I want to start a venture capital firm. We unpacked what that looked like for us. And our first investment was to a local company in Boston named Alice. And they're like an AI swag company. They're really cool. You met their CEO at dinner last night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we grew from there. From that process, I just started having coffee with founders. And after about 250 cups of coffee, I knew what types of founders we felt confident investing in and what verticals we felt really confident in. Today, we invest in AI, fintech, and cybersecurity. But the which I think is absolutely brilliant Aww, and which is why you. I felt comfortable investing with you guys. Yeah. And the reason for that is because that's what we know. We're geeks from Boston. We ran a UX design firm here. We brought a lot of the financial institutions onto phones for the first time. So when it came down to the tools in our toolbox and what could we vet for pizza, because we're geeks from Boston, that's AI, fintech, and cybersecurity. Some people can vet products. Some people can vet other things. You can vet energy in your sleep. But that was what the answer was for us. So your checks have gotten a lot bigger since that $10,000 check. Can you explain that process and just how you were able to scale in such a short amount of time? Our first fund was about $500,000. It was largely us and some close friends that we knew could take the risk that we pulled capital together. It was four investments across three companies. And those did quite well. Actually, our first exit, where the puppy comes from, is two Latino founders out of South Texas that had a cybersecurity company. We 10 x their company in five months. This is where the lawyers make you say past performance is not indicative of future returns. <laughs> We will try. We will try to replicate that. We carry the puppy with us because we created generational wealth for a Latino family with one of our first investments. And those founders are now off having the careers that they want. They bought their mom a house with their exit. And so the puppy is our reminder to do that or better with every investment. So fast forward, we did our second fund was a $10 million fund that we oversubscribed to $14 million. And now our third fund is $100 million anchored by B of A. The reason that we went larger is because we watched a lot of seed stage capital come out. Seed stage is really early, maybe pre-product, maybe new product stage capital come into the market since 2020. And we have the most diverse funded set of seed stage companies ever in this country's history. We need diverse capital at the A round to meet them. 
or as we saw in 2022, 1.7% of those diverse founders will get funded. And so we wanted to have an institutional grade, diverse led VC firm to be able to meet this incredible talent that's on the market and to be fair, make a lot of money for everyone in the process. Can you share with us what were some of the most impactful skills that you needed and that you have in order to go from that $10,000 check to $100 million and write writing, you know, $2 million checks, $10 million checks? This is a great question. I think for us, those skills that we've needed have changed. I think everyone loves to talk about being scrappy and being innovative and doing as much as you can. You can only maximize yourself so far. At some point, you need a community, a skill set, an education, a network that you may not have immediately when you set out to achieve your goal. So for me, when we set out to raise $100 million, I obviously have not raised $100 million before in my life. (laughs) It was my first time doing that. Other women have. They're amazing. I was spending a lot of time with other women in the VC ecosystem, and I wasn't getting very far. I started getting really frustrated with myself. I was like, my calendar's full of meetings, and I'm not really moving the needle here. Mm -hmm. And then I took a step back and I said, okay, what do these women do? What's their role on their investment committees? Are they able to help me with this goal? And so I said, I had to quantify who I needed to hang out with by, I need women that can either allocate two to $10 million of capital into our fund, or who can help me allocate the money that I have that we've raised so far of one to $7 million into a startup who can co-invest with me in those deals. And my network got real small, really fast, dishearteningly small, because There are a lot of women in the VC space. Very few of them, I've learned, have an equal voice on their investment committee. And so they can't always help. There are some great female partners at some amazing firms. If you are the only woman in a room full of eight, when it comes time to make a decision, it is very difficult to advocate for a startup in that position. And so we don't always feel like we have the voice in that moment to advocate for inclusion in the room. Mm -hmm. But if a woman is writing the check for that conference, someday the Her Money Moves conference is going to have a lot of women. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The Dreaming Bigger Summit. Yeah. You know it. (laughs) Exactly. Because it's coming from you and your team and your team is very representative especially in these inclusionary conversations, people really shy away from talking about the money because it's deeply uncomfortable. But we have to move the money because then everything else follows. Yes. So let's talk about investing. How can you share tips for getting more women to invest? So many women are investors and they just don't think they are yet. Mm -hmm. If you went to a college or a university That college or university is being funded by an endowment. That endowment does investments into portfolio managers like us. They do investments into venture capital. If the endowment that you're giving money to every year, we all get the thing in the mail, right? Like I get the one from Harvard. My husband went to Harvard (laughs) and we get the buy these scotch glasses for 50 bucks or 150 bucks or whatever it is. We've learned to ask the question, okay, if I'm going to share my capital with this institution, what percentage of your endowment is being managed by people that look like, quite frankly, your student population? Mm -hmm. I think that women forget and we hand the keys off. You know, we feel like we need the certificate to ask the question. And so if you have a 401k, if you have any sort of pooled investment vehicle, 
you have say over how that capital is allocated. If you work at a company and your HR department provides a retirement plan, guess what? You're allocating capital to that retirement plan. Go to your HR department, go to the financial planner that you have. And if you ask them what percentage of that is managed by women and people of color, right now the answer is 2%. So (laughs) they won't know. They'll have to go and ask. But if every single woman asked we would have a very different allocation of money in this country. And I think money is oxygen. The U.S. is capitalist. We thrive on business. And if we are starving most of the population of that oxygen, we're really cutting ourselves short. That is such a good point that I think a lot of people didn't know. So thank you for sharing that. I learned something today as well. Wow. How can you be even more strategic with your time where you don't have to meet with 200 people that are not a good fit? What kind of advice would you give them so that they're not having to like, okay, if you're not a cybersecurity AI fintech, should you just say, no, I'm not going to meet with you? How do you even filter that out? For an investment, yes. And that's frustrating to us because we meet really exceptional founders. So this year we started a nonprofit called Mendoza Impact so that we have the flexibility to be able to address the needs of diversifying the capital stack where it needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Basically, we have really big hearts and we love the seed stage. (laughs) and We needed a vehicle to be able to support those founders. And so we started a nonprofit to be able to do that. And Mendoza Impact supports founders, funders, and fellows to be able to pull diverse people up into money management, essentially, so that in 10 years, we don't have 1.7% or 2% going to women and people of color. We have a much larger percentage. For those of you that don't know, Stacy won Funder of the Year from Mendoza Impact last night um, because <laughs> I have never seen A and LP have as much fun as you do allocating capital with flair. <laughs> it's like, like there are lots of women that write checks for a living, but you do it with style. And I love that. <laughs> And also because you are always, you know, I just talked about value engineering your time like crazy, but you will always take the phone call for anyone that needs it. That is an example that I love seeing set for everyone coming with us. So being here in Boston, you've been part of this Boston ecosystem for quite some time. For some of the emerging ecosystems around the country, what are some things that you've seen are advantages, some challenges, and what kind of advice could you give or some things that you've observed? There's so much to talk about here. I would say it is the time to grow an ecosystem. If you want to create an environment where entrepreneurs can thrive, now is the time. When we were younger, there were no entrepreneurship MBA programs. You went to an MBA up until I'd say 2020, maybe, (laughs) to go into like a big institution with lots of middle management and things like that, which is why I didn't get my MBA. It sounded painful. (laughs) I would rather design hotels at that point. So for us, there's all of this infrastructure that's been laid. You know, we're sitting in Harvard Innovation Labs. Mm -hmm. Harvard did not promote innovation until recently. (laughs) You had to innovate yourself out of Harvard, usually, if you had a startup. And so that support is here in a way that's never been before. Under the CHIPS Act, they just added a portion of the CHIPS Act called hubs to intentionally grow these innovation ecosystems around the country. And that's on the Department of Commerce website. If you guys haven't seen, the Hubs Act was just announced recently, and you can look to see where those ecosystems are going to be. That being said, we also grew a national brand quickly because we are the first Latino-founded firm on the East Coast. And the capital allocation in Boston has not yet caught up to the rest of the country in its inclusiveness, which makes it hard 
to stay. It's why we've lost talented startups and VC firms before. It is something that the city and the state are proactively working on fixing. We are a big part of that. There are three Latino businesses on Newbury Street today. It is us, the dry cleaner, who I think is going to come in as an investor because we've been talking about it a lot, and the taqueria, who I just give money to all day long. But we don't want to leave Newbury Street with only three Latino businesses on it. My dream is that downtown Boston looks like our entire city. Yeah, I love that. And I want to see the same thing in Texas. I want to see the same thing nationally. Yes. I mean, yes. my goal is that if we take the wealth stack of this country and put it on top of the census, you shouldn't be able to tell them apart because mm -hmm. I think that's when you know that you have real representation. When the resources are being controlled proportionally to the population, that's when you have people allocating capital on merit and not on network. Wow. I love that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I know you are also a member of several very prestigious boards and making an impact on our ecosystem in that way. So can you share that? One of the things that I didn't know would be a happy, not a happy accident, this is very much part of private equity, but when you write a check to a company, that is a really big carrot to institutionalize change. So we deployed about $2 million to a female founder this year, which I was very excited to do. And we restructured her board to make it inclusive and majority female, which was awesome. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is a lot easier to do when you're holding $2 million under someone's nose than not, you know, than running a nonprofit to educate about it or something like that. Like mm -hmm. that, that change is very real and very lasting in the company. I'm also on the board of Listo, which is an amazing West Coast company that's democratizing financial access for the Latino community. And I'm on because no name is short in government. I'm on the National Advisory Committee for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. So I work with the Department of Commerce with about 25 other amazing, amazing thought leaders in this space to help innovation in our country. So the hubs portion of the CHIPS Act that I mentioned earlier was our first homework assignment. And our second homework assignment is a national entrepreneurship strategy that we're working with. Gina Raimondo is our Secretary of Commerce and Alejandro Castillo is the Undersecretary of Commerce. And they are amazing. Amazing. So I always love to ask our amazing guests, what are you dreaming bigger about next to build for the future? So full disclosure, you previewed this question with me and I was thinking about it because I genuinely appreciate our time together. And one of the reasons that I do is that you dream bigger. We don't need dreams. We need checks. Our community, women and people of color who are starting startups and have these amazing, really good product market fits, we're rich in dreams. We're poor in money. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so... <laughs> And so I want to write the check this year, which I did in 2023. So for me, it's yes, more checks, bigger checks. You know, I think when you try and do something like this, you think it's always going to be perfect. Like every woman that we fund is going to do something amazing with it. And the longer I do this, it's just about shots on goal. We just have to move a lot of money to the rest of the country. <laughs> and that is my big dream. I don't think it's a dream, though. I've met these women doing it and we can do it. We will do it. We are doing it. Yes. Did it this week. <laughs> <laughs> Did that. <laughs> and I think I think it's really easy for your audience to see us and think like, oh, they can do that. But work with what you have to do what you can. If you bought a coffee this week, you wrote a check. Are they providing retirement accounts to their employees? What does that look like? If your HR department gave you something to stow away money in, <laughs> that money is being managed by someone. So write your own check. It doesn't have to be 
$2 million or $10 million or whatever, if everybody just did what they could with what they had, we would have representative capital. Yeah, that's really great advice. So, so write your check, Stacey. <laughs> oh, girl, I've been writing I checks. Know. I need to slow down. <laughs> Getting out of ink here. <laughs> <laughs> I got everybody calling. I heard you're, I see I you've you been writing, writing some checks. checks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come knocking at my door. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast will help with that, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Senator, for being here. Tell everybody how they can get connected with you, how they can invest with Mendoza Ventures, or how they can submit their pitch decks to you. Our website is www.mendozaventures.com. Very creative. We're on LinkedIn. I will be transparent and say I have a lot of LinkedIn inbound. We get a lot of emails, but there's a form on our website. If you get to the form on the website, it goes to a partner. We will get back to you. We do. And you can also follow VC Puppy. He's on Instagram. He's now a senior associate. He's been promoted since he started with us. <laughs> um, his Instagram is probably the most fun way to follow our firm. Um, but we are on LinkedIn, www.mendozaventures.com and on Instagram. All right. Thanks again, girlfriend. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. And thank you, Harvard, for hosting yes, a UMass you. kid in the Lutina. <laughs> yeah, really like pinching myself that we're here today because I wanted to go here for my undergrad, but I wasn't able to because I got pregnant with my son at 17. So it actually means a lot to be on this stage here today. Thank you for making this I happen. I they have a great PhD program and I don't think you're done yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, just put another one on my vision board. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.